Greetings and welcome everyone. Chief Yuya here, once again. Calculations, insights, and the lifestyle of a royal man. All right, so I want to welcome you all into the space, especially those of you who are here for the very first time and um, maybe you wandered in here or you saw some other experience that brought you in. This session, I wanted to speak about something um, that I know is going to be uh, something we're going to have to speak about uh, more than once uh, in the coming months, coming years. And it's based around entrepreneurship and uh, financial sovereignty. You know, there's a repeated occurrence that I've been witnessing uh, with individuals who work nine to fives or work for organizations, essentially don't work for themselves, they're W-2 employees, and they find themselves uh, either pursuing the lifestyle or the, you know, the, the financial and the economic structure of entrepreneurs, or they find themselves um, unemployed for whatever reason. And as a result, now uh, seek to strike out on their own to do some sort of business adventure, business venture uh, on their own. And one of the things that I've noticed has been a consistent challenge with individuals who find themselves in that situation or, again, work towards that situation is that uh, without having a guidebook or playbook or any kind of um, compass, you know, personal compass, because there's no one route to financial freedom, people end up wasting a lot of time. And what I mean by that is um, I've seen so many people who are no longer in their nine to fives and they say, I want to start this business. I have this idea, this thing I've always wanted to do. And months and months will go by, especially if they may uh, be fortunate enough to maybe have unemployment insurance and, you know, they have that six months or so where they can sit back on that. And every day they find themselves just finding, looking for things to do that have very little to do with what they're supposed to do for their actual business. You know, so they're, they're going shopping every other day or wandering around and just find themselves driving to go do things that are really not important just to be able to have some sense of accomplishment before they close, they close their eyes for the day. They may even help other people with the things that they're seeking to do. And what it really is, is that um, it's hard for them to admit that they don't have any direction. You know, they, they have an idea, but have not been able to distinguish an economic idea or aspiration from an economic plan, you know, and when you work inside of a, a company or organization, that's not yours. They give you direction, you know, but when you strike out on your own as an entrepreneur or as a, as, as a business owner, you know, everything that you do, uh, whether it be right or whether it be wrong, uh, you, you figure out for yourself, you have to do for yourself. And the key thing about it is that these things all happen at the same time. Like you may make a right and a wrong decision at the same time. And 
it all has a has a drastic or profound um, repercussion on which direction and, and the outcome in the course of your new company, whether you know what you're doing or not, you know, whether you know, okay, I've, making, I've made the right decisions or I haven't. And you only know until you actually make the decision, right? Until a choice is made. And sometimes this creates a paralyzation, you know, especially when you're sitting in a nine to five and you're playing with the idea in your head and you're saying to yourself, man, I have so many different options. You know, the opportunities and the choices are endless. And sometimes that gets confusing. So when you finally embark on your journey, you know, um, really kind of saying that the opportunities are endless becomes a bit of a, of an understatement because you spend a lot of time worrying about making the right decision or doing a certain thing. You know, sometimes you may work a certain position and you have a passion for what it is that you do. You love what you do and there's nothing else that you would prefer to do. And you feel that that environment kind of gives you um, the excitement that you would like, the challenge that you would like, and you find yourself out on your own. And it just makes more sense to try to start your own thing. And maybe it, it aligns with the lifestyle that you want to live. You know, you've kind of made a conscious decision that you want to reduce um, the time that these companies consume while at the same time maintaining or, in key, or increasing your, your cash flow. So you say, okay, well, I can start a business and I have the, the potential to make a significant amount of money or at least the same thing as what I was making. And that will support this lifestyle that I'm looking to live. But the direction is always from what I've witnessed challenging for people. You know, they see uh, maybe someone like myself. That's usually where I see it the most. Say, oh, man, chief, you work for yourself. You always work for yourself or which I haven't. I've had plenty of jobs. I mean, you can go and look on my LinkedIn page. And see that I've I've had, and that's not even a fraction of the amount of jobs I've had. I've had a lot of jobs. And I've owned businesses since forever, you know, since I was a teenager. So um, it takes time sometimes. All of these different experiences become a training ground. But sometimes you look at a person and you're looking at them after all of that. And it looks, on the outside, it may look easy. You know, and they don't realize why you stay up all night. For instance, it's uh, 1 a.m. right now. And, um, you know, I'm I'm still full swing and everything that I need to do. And uh, I've been up since pretty early. You know, um, I usually don't arise any later than 5 a.m. And I'm not a dawning person at all, but what I have to do. Right. So just, just to give you a small example. So people will say, man, why do you, you up all night and you're up so early and they don't sometimes <laughs> put two and two together and realize that's, that's part of being an entrepreneur. That's part of, of what it takes. You know, uh, sometimes you look at these different, I've seen memes and stuff and where people talk about on social media, you know, these people who've made it, you know, and everybody seems to wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and they're in the gym, 
you know, for an hour and they do all of these different things and they meditate for 40 minutes and everything like that before 8 a.m. And before they start even taking meetings and, and things like that. And you look at these articles or you read these memes, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And what's always interesting is that they never tell you what time they go to bed. They only tell you what their dawnings are like. They don't tell you, well, I'm in the bed by 7 p.m. Because <laughs> how else would I be getting up at 4 a.m. every dawning and working out for two hours? A day, you know, so some of it is just not really realistic um, in regards to uh, what you what you're aiming to do. But uh, if you really have a passion for what it is that you're looking to venture in, um, getting up and things like that, or like doing a podcast at 1 a.m., you know, after still doing so many other things and still having more to do. Um, if your passion is there and your excitement is there, it, it's not as difficult. It's not as backbreaking. But there are there are certain nuances to doing your own thing beyond just doing your own thing. The technical part. Well, I know how to do the work. So all I have to do is go get customers and do the work and then I'll get money. There's so much more to it than that. And like I said, I find a lot of times um, because people. One of the one of the key things is that people haven't exposed themselves to other entrepreneurs. So when they lose their job or they quit their job, they really don't know what to do. And everyone else that they know in their life works and works, works a job, you know, is working for someone else. So everyone else that exists in their cipher or their circle is conditioned to think like an employee, you know, so which is a completely different sort of mind. So it's the only path that. The people around them can see they may look at people on their own business and make their own assumptions. You know, people say, oh, well, you work for yourself, man. You make your own hours. You do this. That's great. Well, it's great compared to your way of thinking because your way of thinking, you're thinking about a boss. You're thinking about someone telling you what to do. Maybe someone's incompetent who is over you, who you're tired of listening to, you know, all of these different things. And, um, it's so much more than that. And maybe um, you don't have relatives who run their own business, who inspire you to do the same thing and inspire you to pursue entrepreneurship. You know, so your, your worldview becomes the worldview of an employee. And it becomes very difficult when you're no longer employee to make that shift. You know, so like I said, what happens a lot of times, and I, I always warn people, I warn them, I warn them, I warn them. And I say, listen, the time goes by fast before you know it to be a year and you look back and you didn't do anything. No, no, no. As soon as I, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to do. OK, you got to have a plan in place, because when you're used to someone telling you what to do every day and then you have a couple of days to sleep in. Well, I, I lost my job or whatever. I don't have to go in tomorrow. Yeah, maybe that first seven days or so you're just going to decompress. You're going to relax a little bit. But then when you come off of that and you now have to give yourself instruction and you don't have anything established methodically and you have a fear of every decision that you have the potential to make because every decision has to has a holds a risk of failure. You say, OK, I won't make any decision. 
and that's thinking like an employee. Um, an employee can sit back and constantly bug their supervisor. Should I do it this way? Should I do that? Should I use this font? Should I use this paper? Should I, you know, every little thing. So that way, why? Because I don't want to get blamed. When it goes left, I don't want anybody coming to me. But when you're an entrepreneur, you can't do that. And as an entrepreneur, you don't necessarily appreciate people who may even try to treat you that way because there's other things to think about because they have this this fear constantly that this is going to fail. And they're afraid of kind of moving off into that start. And a lot of times that fear then produces uh, thoughts of inadequacy, you know, and or maybe they've experienced fear before at some point in their lives. And no one wants to replicate a bad feeling, obviously. And, you know, there could be a, a sense of now because I failed before. Maybe I'm incompetent. Maybe I shouldn't have did. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have. Maybe I just need to go back and get a job. And maybe you do just need to go back and get a job. Maybe this isn't for you. That's possible. You know, because when you're starting a business and you're managing a business, there's a there's a whole lot of stress that comes with it. You know, it's it's like being in a love relationship. You know, we speak about the beauties of love and finding someone to be with and so forth and so on, which are, those are all great things. Someone to grow with and, and so forth and so on. But, you know, this there's, there's a fatigue that comes in when you choose another human to spend an extended period of time with 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There's a fatigue that sets in and that's what love looks like. You know, we always think love's look, love looks like the movie or the Hallmark card. Love looks like the look that was on Will Smith's face when he sat at that red table and had that conversation about his wife's entanglement. You know, and of course, there were a million and one memes made off of that, that still image of total fatigue and exhaustion in this face. But that's what love looks like, you know, and it's it's having that ability and that potential to grow um, and to address each stage as your partner grows and make a decision. Do I want to go to this next place with you? The directions that we're growing, are we growing together? If we are growing apart, can we renew what we have or or not? You know, and the business is no different. And that within itself is really, really stressful because there's certain skills that are needed in order to continue to relate to your business. There's certain skills that are needed in order to to address the needs of your market because your target market also grows and your target market also changes. So you have to have this, the, the skills as well to, to not only jumpstart and run your business, but also to manage all of the different challenging activities that, that go along with it, like raising capital and, and, and things like that and generating sales and finding people to possibly distribute your, your product or your services in a, in a, in a sensible sort of way. You know, and again, like I said, a lot of it uh, begins with fear. A lot of it begins with worry. And there are some people who will work 12, 13 hour days for their their job or they may even work two jobs. But it's OK because someone's telling me what to do. Um, 
And they may even do that and still barely make ends meet, you know, and they're kind of going from paycheck to paycheck, but they have some sense of what those checks are going to be, you know, and starting a business now just just now puts another mental stress. Well, I got these two jobs. I'm barely making it out as it is, or perhaps they, you know, a person doesn't necessarily have a healthy relationship with money. They, they don't have a healthy history and understanding of money. So they don't look at, uh, entrepreneurship and, you know, starting out within a, within a business as something that's positive. They think people who are business owners automatically are crooked. Automatically they're greedy. Automatically they're super stressed out. All they want to do is make money. That's all they think about, you know, and, and they're unhappy. They start to, place certain st- stigmas and sometimes it exists in the subconscious. So again, when you, you lose that position or, or again, you quit your job, those things can still be flown in, in the, the bottom of your mind. A person with a successful business is greedy. A person with a successful business is unhappy. A person with a successful business is uh, obsessed with money. And, and I don't care about money like that. I just want to be happy. So you're, you're constantly doing things to, um, undermine what you're doing and even to corrupt what your vision is. Because in your mind, earning a lot of money through business ownership, it comes at a price and the price is your, your soul. You know, and these sometimes, it, these are the things that are working, you know, in the back of our mind. So we decide that, no, I, I, I'm doing it, but I don't want to do it. You see? And then sometimes we have no idea what to do. I want to work for myself. I want to own my own business, but I don't know what kind of business to have. You know, I, I don't, I don't know where to begin to decide and determine what will work for me. So a lot of times I find people, they'll be out of their jobs or whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. And they'll take the first couple of months and go on vacations. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I need to get away for a while and. Think about what I want to do, and, you know, and I, I'll take my notebook with me <laughs> on vacation or I'm helping my friend move or, you know, so-and-so wants me to go on a trip with them now that I'm, I'm not working. You know, they find all of these different things to do to, you know, because they're running from what really needs to be done. And sometimes, again, it's just because they don't even know where to start. They don't know um what kind of business to even have. And that becomes a huge stumbling block because oftentimes there's also a fear of selling. You see, if I have a business, I have to interact with people. I have to believe in what I'm doing strong enough that I can sell it to people and people want it. And I may be terrified of rejection. I may be terrified of failure. And again, it's the fear of replicating that, that feeling again, or replicating that that uncomfortable thought that you may have had at some point and you think you have to have certain gifts that you don't really need to have. You look at certain salesmen on social media or at the car lot, you know, at their insurance company say, well, I'm not like that. I don't have that level of charisma. I don't like to talk that much. I don't like to interact with, with people that much. I need to just maintain the security of a steady paycheck, which is never really true security because if you own your own business, you're not going to fire yourself, but you work for a company, you get fired any day. You never really know when it's, when it's coming. So there's really, 
no true security there, but there's a thought of it. You know, I don't have to go on that, that up and down emotional roller coaster that comes with having a business, you know, um, or, or have those times where my, my cash flow is so tight that, you know, uh, I would just prefer the stability and the security of that regular, uh, paycheck, you know, and there are some that learn the hard way that they really don't have the drive for success. There's a certain drive that's required and, you know, they may just be content uh, with, with the way their life is and it, it's peaceful enough for them and they don't want to invite any stress that comes along with striving for success. You see, they, they have kind of a a lack of motivation. Money is not a real motivator for them in that sense. And um, working within it within the organization to them, for some people, it's just easier than spearheading one. You know, these are these are all some of the reasons that people tend to kind of pull back. And then you have those again, like I said, who don't know what to do or they're stuck on the fear and the worry. And like I said, the the false sense of security. And like I said, many don't realize that. There's there's no security in that, you know, um, it's the worry and it's the idea sometimes that we have um, in our modernized world that the things that we put in place to secure our life will actually do such without sometimes remembering or recognizing that every solution comes with a, with a problem. Most things that we put in place to fix things uh creates another host of of issues you see and that sometimes can be uh, a hindrance or um it can be something that slows up slows up what we want to do in life and, and slows up the way we think about the things we want to do and the excitement that we 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 might have, you know, um, a lot of times it's the extra thoughts that we, we put to things that we don't really need to put. We don't, we don't really move with the sense of, um, instinct. Often our instincts have been trained out of us. You know, they've been worked out of us. And like I said, we, we put more energy towards, um, all of these different like technology, for instance, and not realizing that technology is something that rots us. You know, it, it hollows out um, our community. You know, it hollows out our ability to socialize among each other, you know, amongst one another. And um, we lose our ability to sort of hope for things getting better because we're constantly inundated with the worst of what technology has to offer for us you know we we use it to solve the problems um but a lot of times we use technology to solve the problems that technology creates you know so there's there's this constant thing where we're putting our mental arithmetic that we're, we're of course losing and even things like penmanship <laughs> you know when's the last time you really thought about your penmanship you know even though writing 
activate certain components of the brain that are necessary for abstract thought, but we don't write anymore. You know, and although we have this tremendous growth and all of the information that we have and our education is more focused to retrieve uh, information rather than remembering things, you know, um, that all equates to just having to us all having less storage and less depth of, of knowledge and less ability to make connections between different bits of information. So when it comes time now for me to try to build a business or move out in, in that sense, it's very difficult because I don't know how to put things together anymore. I'm surrounded by a bunch of opportunities, but um don't really know what to do with them. You see, that becomes a challenge. And, you know, it, it makes me think on um sixth chapter of Matthew, Matthew 625. Right. Therefore, I say unto you, be not anxious for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than the food and the body more than the raiment. Behold, the birds of the heaven, that they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns. And your heavenly father feedeth them and not ye of much more value than they. And which of you by being anxious Anxious can hold one cubit unto the measure of his life. And why are you anxious concerning raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God doth so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Be not therefore anxious for the morrow, for the morrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, such an important thing, such an important concept for entrepreneurs, because what Yeshua was saying in that sense, you know, it was a very Zen message. You know, it had very strong uh, Buddhist influences on that concept that he was sharing, which he was he was speaking about learning to move through the, the intuitive natural capacities of the gut you know which is something that we we again often is trained out of us you know we, we kind of lose that sense and we're we're not thinking about um or not thinking so much we're not remembering the flow that we have when we're when we're in right position you know this is when we speak about like atlantis or we speak about all these different ages, to, you know, where we were at our highest functioning ability. And, you know, we sometimes people are like, why aren't we there now? <laughs> because it's an inundation of satanic energy and satanic energy is thought energy. The more time you spend thinking, the more time you spend investing in your ego, you know, and as opposed to moving with intuitive sense. We don't do that anymore. 
know, again, like I always have to give the disclaimer. Because there's those who jump up quick and say, that's what I do. I just go with my, my gut feeling. You don't. You don't. Okay. That's like me saying, well, back in the days, you know, people used to fly. And then you jump and say, well, I fly. You don't fly. If you flew, we'd know. You don't fly. I mean, your dreams, we all fly, but you're not flying. You know, so it's something that's just a, a mark of the age that we're at. You know, like when you see the statue of the thinker, you know, and that thinking is, is so prided, prided upon, but we don't realize that, um, like when it says what, what you give not to what you should eat or think, these are the basic things of survival. And um, there was a time and age where people stopped thinking about that, you know, like in the 60s. And they just focused on love. They focused on unity and they would go and uh, like you have uh, people who practice um, uh, dumpster diving, you know, just go into a dumpster and see what they can get, you know, food or whatever. A lot of times restaurants throw out things that are perfectly good, you know, crates of fruit and things like that. And you have people who. Uh, it's a part of their lifestyle to go get these things because that's not what they want to focus on. You see, so however we feel about it, you know, there's, there's so many different kinds of lifestyles. But the, the point that I'm saying is that um, when we have that ability to move with our gut and move with our instinct, we come back into our higher divine self, our higher divine mind. And all of the thinking that we put into things is usually based on fear of what could possibly happen. You know, we become obsessed with all of the wrong things that can happen. And and the reality is that the things that we typically obsess about happening, happening will happen anyway. Well, you know, what if I go into this business and I lose all my money? One day you are going to lose all your money. That's going to happen. You, you know, like they say, you can't take it with you. You're not always going to have all your money. What if I go do this and I and I get killed? Well, one day you will die. That's going to happen. So why would you obsess about it until the day of? You see, to the point that it cripples you from the things that you want to do. That's when it, that's when the scriptures are talking about um, the birds not reaping and the birds not sowing. You know, behold, the birds of the heavens that they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns and your heavenly father feedeth them. And not ye of much more value than they. Recognizing that you you will be taken care of because the birds are not deliberating about what the moves that they need to make. They're like children. They just do what they what they instinctually have that rhythm and that frequency to do. And as a result, because they're moving with frequency and the naturalness of their purpose, they're taken care of. When we start thinking about all these things we should do, I should do this, I should do that, to cover ourselves from falling, we always make more problems than the ones that we're trying to solve. Every single time. You have people who are murdered over life life insurance policies. You see, People take out these insurance policies because, and I'm not saying... Don't get life life insurance. That's you know, just to be clear. I'm not saying that, but you know, people get these life insurance policies, and because they're they're so afraid of what may happen in the future, and then it brings all sorts of other issues into their lives. You know, you look at, um, for instance, like um, 
uh, Sweetie Pies. If anybody ever watches the own, the own network, they had this show with, you know, Miss Robbie and Sweetie Pies restaurant. You know, she had a restaurant called Sweetie Pies. She used to be one of the backup singers, um, for Ike Turner. And, um, her, her grandson, Andre, was killed by her other grandson, Tim. You know, and Tim is currently locked up right now. Some of you, Tim Norman is his name. Some of you may know the the um, story. And it's still alleged. I mean, but, you know, it's pretty obviously he did it. But um, he hired some hitmen to kill basically his nephew, I believe. It's either his nephew or his cousin. Um, and he, he took out a life insurance policy on his cousin. And at the end of the day, because of some something that happened, he wasn't even really able to collect the money on it. You see, so I mean that that's obviously an extreme example, you know, with, with Tim Tim Norman and and um and Andre and Miss Robbie, and it, obviously it's a it's a very tragic and and horrible situation that happened to Andre uh, Montgomery. Um, I think it was like about like yeah, like four hundred thousand dollars, something like that, uh, life insurance. But um, sometimes things like that, you know, we we create more problems that have to be solved. Now there's another member, there's one member of the family gone and Andre's father had gotten killed as well. You know, I think around the area that he got, killed, it was some crazy kind of thing, but um, with that situation, so you have now one grandchild who's in jail and the other grandchild who's dead. You see, not to mention the children who were involved. You know, I know Tim had a baby and, things like that and his girlfriend and you know, all the other things that are affected and Miss Robbie's an older woman. So the damage that it's doing to her heart and her nerves, you know, because I'll get this insurance, $400,000 insurance policy to try to solve something, um, and created more problems. Again, extreme example, but just so you kind of understand, uh, what I'm saying, a lot of times we, we lose our ability to, to move by intuition so out of fear, we start to put all these things in place that don't help anything, like the jobs we end up despising later. And our intuition is that knowing capacity, but it's an inner knowing that comes from a heart wisdom. You know, like I always tell you, the heart is the seat of intelligence, not the brain, because the heart has the the compository of our of our spiritual truth. You know, and it doesn't need the brain in order to deliver it. So it's a it's a much more solid place of divination, the Okan or the heart, than trusting in the thoughts of the brain. You know, um, even when we trust in, in spirit and we look for spirit to understand things, um, a lot of times it's a confidence that comes as a result. But it's an invisible confidence. There's, there's no real surety on it because there's so many different spirits you could be told anything you know as opposed to that divine knowing that sits within um the intuition of the heart you know that sits within the instinct of the of the heart and that gives us direct access to the wisdom of the creator you see it gives us the direct access to the mother you know or what we call the the ruach kodesh or some of you may call the holy spirit you know so a lot of times not having that connection is what slows up and disrupts our ability 
to move on entrepreneurial pursuits because we're, we're intellectualizing things more than we should as opposed to flowing with the energy of our gut instincts and being able to trust that that drive, if we are connected to the most high, because just jumping out and saying, I follow my gut again, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything when there's no connection. There's no connection to the creator. And that sense, usually you're just following your own opinion and the aspects of your ego that make you feel most comfortable and excited. It's not the same, you know, but being able to follow that is an important part of really being able to pursue the entrepreneurial path after a layoff or after leaving your job, you know, and then there's also the technical aspects. Like I said, you may learn by being around other entrepreneurs or taking the time to actually learn what it is that you're supposed to do. You know, things such as um, knowing wh where to find resources, whether they're resources that are online or resources that are offline. You know, there's certain ways that you want to learn how to leverage the resources that are in front of you so you don't end up reinventing the wheel all the time. And a lot of times, some of the resources that or are resources that you need to put in place that people have trouble with a lot of times because the ego is a good counselor, a good jagna. You know, and that's, I would say, the first thing <laughs> when you're seeking to start your own thing or you're seeking to, um, or again, you're out of work and it's like, all right, I got to start my own business. Find yourself a guide who's further down the road, you know, and um, not necessarily one in the formal sense, you know, like a, a life coach or anything like that. But, you know, um, when the relationship is informal, it usually will go a lot further. And especially when you can establish a genuine friendship, you know, I've had people try to establish those sort of friendships with me, not friendships, but relationships with me so that I can serve as a, as a business advisor and coach to them. But a lot of times you can tell when it's just usury and you don't work or you don't help them in the same way when it's a genuine friendship. You know, and sometimes people don't realize that they're not as um, they're not as as hidden in stealth as they imagine in their own minds. You know, so that's something you also have to learn data analysis. Those are part of some of the the new tools that we we have in front of us outside of your gut instinct. You know, a lot of times we feel like we want to. I, I know this is a good idea. I know this is a good idea. And then when people start asking us the, the data, you know, I've seen people get attitudes because they, they start estimating certain things. If I say, okay, well, who's your target audience? And based on this and that, what, this, what does this number look like? What does that number look like? And they, they just start guessing and not realizing, again, um, when you put yourself around people who function in the entrepreneurial sense, you can end up losing um, counselors and guides because you're operating like that. It it shows just how how unprepared you really are to exist inside that world because you haven't access to historical data of what it is that you want to do or even the proxy data of what it is that, that you want to do. You know, um, taking out time to ask and learn your target audience you know, that's a huge part of how you get a business started.
you know, actually speaking to those who you expect to buy your product or you expect to use your product, you know, or and in, in whatever it is that you may need to now create for them, you know, and, and learning how to create models that show you the weighted probabilities, something as simple and for some, um, you know, may not. And, and everything is complicated till you do it. You know, and then you realize, wow, yeah, I see what he was talking about. It's not that hard. But in the beginning, it all seems like a lot because it's it's not the world of the employee typically. So you're going into another world that has another language and and understanding things such as decision trees are a huge part of what you need in order to create proper decisions and proper strategy to drive your your company forward. You see and not necessarily not applying those things or overusing one over the other. Like I speak to my guide all the time, but I have to, I haven't actually done any intelligent data analysis. I haven't actually done um, anything where I'm weighing my ROIs or my return on investment based on the decisions that I want to make, you know, but I just want to, burn up this other individual's energy and time asking them a bunch of questions. It's one of the reasons why I'm very particular about who I take for Osiris life clients, because I've had people do that before and they come and I want to start this kind of, okay, we're here. This is what you got to do. Boom, 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 boom. We speak next time. Okay. Did you get those things? No, not yet. So why are we talking? Why now you just, now you just, you're just siphoning energy from me now that I could use to do, what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, so that's an important part also, like I said, so you don't end up kind of like turning off your, um, the people who you would have to help you out. Um, but like I said, you know, it begins with that instinct and that intuition that you're pulling from the most high when you're recognizing again, that I don't have to worry about all these things that I think I need to worry about because of that faith and that intuition and that divine knowing it's going to help to drive me in the right directions that I need to be in. And it's going to help to give me true perspectives, you know, because there's no need for me to be anxious about what's going to happen. There's no need for me to be worried about my material needs. Or like he said, why are you over here worried about clothes? Clothes, Raymond is, is clothes. You know, when you recognize who you are, the bloodline you come from, the family you come from, it's like, it would be silly for me to worry, you know, and even pulling things that are around him. If you look at when Yeshua is giving that speech, he says, consider the lilies of the field at that time of the season, when he was giving that speech in Galilee, the lilies, that was when they really, really came forward. We would look at it as like the tiger lily. That would be a close association. So he literally was like freestyling, you know, like when you, have an artist who freestyles and they look at different objects in the room and they start making songs about that's what he was doing. You know, he's like, look, look around you, <laughs> the birds, the crops, you know, this and that. He was like, you know, everything has already been furnished for the animal kingdom because they don't spend all their time in fear and anxiety and worry deliberating. They move through purpose and you're more important than they are. So using even the wild flowers, he's, he's showing that, you know, these flowers don't even work as hard as you do to do certain things and look at them. And even all of what Solomon came from and the way Solomon dressed in his, his clothes, you know, were still not even as beautiful as the lilies. 
and they didn't even work, you know, nearly as hard as, as, as Solomon did, you know? So, so in that sense, there's a characteristic that's kind of being, um, given to us. And, and the characteristic is of trust. The characteristic is, is of security and understanding that, you know, even like when he says the lily of the fields, uh, you know, the, the lilies of the fields, you know, if they were worried about how beautiful they could be or how beautiful they are and not realizing that, you know what, as soon as we come forth as lilies and function as lilies, the creator has already provided enough nutrient in the soil for us. We're okay. The creator is already going to provide enough rain for us to grow. The creator is already going to provide enough sun for us to, to function and, and to use our, our photosynthesis abilities. So why would I spend all my time as a lily worrying about rain or struggling to extract the wealth of nutrient from the soil? You see, when those things have already been put in front of me, there's already a plan that's been established before me before I even emerged. You see, so I don't have to do all of this hard work when I'm functioning within my within my my space. And then I become an expression of beauty, like like a flower becomes an expression of beauty. And through my meditation, through my work towards spiritual development, you know, all of these different things, I start to feel the anxiety of all my trivial worries and, and things begin to slip away, you know, and I and I get that proper perspective that's required. I, I tap into that spiritual consciousness, you know, and this. The more I'm relying on that, the less I'm relying on thought, the less I'm relying on even my physical effort, because now and this is where there's a fine line between a spiritual ego and a human ego. The human ego has gotten stronger because once we were in a space where we realized our focus can change our reality, we started to use the focus of ego more. But when we were children, we enjoyed the reality that was around us. You, you know, you ever hold a child? I know my children used to do this all the time. And they they would like just crawl all over me and just kind of fall out in my arms and stuff because they feel completely protected and safe that I'm not going to drop them. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, you, I'm sitting on a chair or whatever. You jump onto my back or you're crawling. On, you're literally crawling on top of my head upside down. And one little slip, you'll just fall on your head. But you just know Bob is not going to let you fall or drop. No matter what he's doing, no matter what he has in his hands, I could be carrying something. And you know you're safe. You see? So it allows you now just to move with the, 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 the spiritual mysticism of your own intuition. And whatever you just move to. And you never have that that um, destructive emotion of, of failing or, or, or falling short in, in that sense. You see, so even when it speaks about seeking the kingdom of Yah and his, and his righteousness, you know, there's a realm of conscious ideas that, that produce this harmony. And when we move into that space through our intuition, you know, we're using the attributes that have already been given to us and the gifts that have already been given. That's why all things will be added unto you. So there is a spiritual and a mental process that has to happen, but that process is developing the Christ consciousness, which is one of intuition. 
And then once you realize that, you realize that certain other emotions are completely unnecessary for what it is that you need to do. Worry is unnecessary. I have no use for that because I'm flowing now through gut instinct and intuition because of my Christ consciousness, because I've developed my spirit to connect with the divine wisdom of the heart given to me by the kingdom of Yah. You see, so now I lost my job. Okay, cool. I quit my job. Okay, cool. I know exactly what I need to be doing every day. And it all begins with what? The instinct of the gut, which is the instinct of the God or the instinct of Yah, the intuition, that inner knowing, that placement of, of heart wisdom. It starts there. Then I use my tools. I look at my metrics. You know, I speak to my target audience and make sure I'm, I'm providing them what it is that, you know, whatever I, I say to that that I'm supposed to deliver. And I don't, I don't create all of these different mechanisms around me to create more problems, even though I'm, I'm saying, oh, well, this will solve that or that will solve that because it's already been taken care of. Like even when the most High spoke about grass, which is probably one of the most basic elements of our existence, you know, this, this is something that doesn't have the, the complicated matrix that, that we have. And we're more complicated in terms of our creation. You know, now you may argue if we're more important than grass or not. That's fine. I, and I, I, I get that. I, I can. That's that's understandable. But we are more complex organisms. You see? And if the grass is taken care of, how will the more complex organi- organism be taken care of even more? So that's something I wanted to speak on. And I know I'm going to come back to this some more because we're in a space now where a lot of people are going to be losing their positions aside from all of the resignations because people have decided that being in certain environments are no longer um, healthy. They're no longer safe for their welfare. And they'd rather just figure something else out, even if they're making a third of what they were making before and sleeping out of their cars or you know, moving back in with family or getting roommates and renting out their spaces or whatever. They, many people would rather do that than, than be in these environments as they're existing now. Understandable, but it moves fast. You come out of the environment, three, four, five, six months go by quick. Oh, my goodness. Unemployment almost is, is almost gone. I'm chipping away at my savings and I haven't really done anything. You know what? Let me go start looking for a job again. It's because you weren't tapped in. You weren't living the purity of your purpose, like the lily of the field, like the birds of the heavens. So I just wanted to share that with you all. All right. And uh, willfully, it, it sparked something that you can utilize and that you can work with. You know, I really will that it that it does. And, you know. And you can continue on this journey, you know, for those of you who have been applying for our noon, who have been coming in and um, looking for that shelter of community and that sense of belongingness and that family, which is really what we are. You know, it's it's about family with our new and and um, if you don't have one, we'll be your family. That's what it's about, you know, but as family, we have to make sure that we are achieving 
and striving towards that that consciousness of of the crystals or that Christ consciousness so that we are on a on a frequency that now activates a divine intuition as opposed to just sitting and claiming it you know I move with this I move with that and not really knowing what those feelings that you're moving with are made up of what are they comprised of something that didn't digest properly ego experiences that you didn't understand are you putting wisdom before knowledge you know and assuming that you have understanding without realizing now your understanding is perverted because you didn't put knowledge first and that knowledge comes from the one see so many different things and there's a technology to all of this there's a spiritual technology there's an emotional technology and there's a mental technology you know so like i said for those who have been angling towards our new and recognizing that at some point the the door to the the art closes you know and um that sense of directionless becomes your undoing you know i definitely encourage you to run and not walk towards what you're supposed to you know and don't always assume that you know this false sense of security that you have will not eventually reveal itself for what it really is, which is a false sense of security. <laughs> you know, you got to do for self. There's really no way around it. But like I said, there's a family in Anu where we, we, we practice Ujima. You know, we, we practice collective work and responsibility. We instill faith with each other. We strive for Nia. Amongst all of us, you know, we strive to make sure that everyone's divine purpose is being realized and we're not just mentally drifting through our existence. Because then when it comes down to it, that drift is really about not connecting to the creator. And when it comes down to it, and when you really need that wisdom from the creator, that gut instinct, you find yourself lost and just looking for things to eat up time. Cause you don't know what to do. So you, I'm, let me go get some food. I'm going to eat. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. I'll go watch some silly awards show or whatever, you know, just to eat up some time. So, all right, this has been chief. You, I want to thank everyone who's been enjoying, um, the recent music project. Like I said, there's a, also a book coming forth soon. So definitely be on the lookout for that book um you know to be all on all the regular platforms we buy books i know people always say where can i get your books chief that just tells me you didn't even do a google search <laughs> you didn't even put in in google chief you your books <laughs> you know so to be where all the other books are you know where all the other books in the world are you know so um be on the lookout for that and like i said thank you for enjoying the hard on project and for those of you who use Bandcamp, um, which I never mentioned, but I am on Bandcamp, you know, so you can subscribe to me there, too. Um, and when stuff comes out, you'll get your, notific your Bandcamp notification, you know. Also, I have like Hard On on there, you know, um, you can download it, too, and have it for yourself. So I know some of you don't use uh, the streaming platforms and stuff like that. So you can always get a lot of stuff um, off of the Bandcamp, too. But, um, yeah, you know, definitely thank you for all the, the, the kind words that have come forth and the understanding and, 
you know, for all the works that we've put forth. I want to thank you for that. And um, for the our new people who are listening, because I know, you know, we stress entrepreneurship and, and ownership. That's a part of our doctrine. <laughs> you know, that's why when you watch the Shimas on Fridays, you notice that, um, they're always talking about economics and, you know, th- there'll be scripture and things, but they always come back to got to have your own business, got to have family. You know, family is a form of economic warfare and, and defensive strategy, you know, so these are important things within our community. And I understand, you know, for some, they I ain't into all that. You know, OK, that's fine. But we're, we're into building legacy and ensuring the survival and the longevity of our seed, you know, and making sure that our order is strong and that we have family among one another and the potential to blend and expand those families. That's important to us. And every community has their agenda. You know, we have a vision. You can go on the website, anulifeglobal.org, and you can read what our vision is and, and what we're about and what we're aiming and striving for. You know, you can read it right there. You can also join right there as well. All right. So, again, thank you all for, for coming through and checking out this podcast, which I think is the 60th podcast. This is number 60. There's no big fanfare for 60. So, you know, I didn't do anything big. Um, But willfully, the things that I shared with you will make big changes going forward. Especially those of you who are sitting home now, maybe you already laid off or you already left your job. You know, maybe you didn't want to get chemicalized. And they said, well, then go home. Okay, cool. Well, this is, you know, some of the things you got to keep in mind in starting your business and moving forward. You know, everything that I that I mentioned to you, these are the components that are required, you know, from, like I said, making sure that that you are moving with gut instinct, making sure that you're doing analysis on, you know, on the data, you know, who's using what, who's not using what, things like that. And understanding who your customer base is, what tools that you that you need in order to make proper decisions, you know, the resources that are available to you. Everything is not on the Internet. Sometimes the resources that are available to you are local organizations. You know, there's a lot of, you know, almost everything that we have out here. There's some kind of local black firefighters organization, black police organization, black librarians organization. You know, there's something for everything. You can go and and speak to people. And then finding that counselor, finding that Jegna is that's critical. I would say, you know, start with. Tapping into that divine intuition, that would be your first thing. And then the second thing will be finding that counselor. You're going to need that. I promise you, you're going to need someone who's who's more experienced and is willing to approach you from a love perspective. You know, not just um, a very formal kind of experience, but is willing to kind of listen to you and and understand where you're at and, and tell you what needs to happen without fear of you taking your contract away. All right. So again, thank you so much. Enjoy your, your evening. It's, it's two, 2 a.m. now uh, for me. So whenever you get this, enjoy your dawning or your evening or your a.m., however, however it goes for you. All right. And um, I will speak to you again soon enough. All right. This is Chief Yuya signing out. And um, 
And I'll see some of you also at Chief Yuya Music. Quick reminder before I go, some people, you know, you've been sending me messages at Chief Yuya. Technically, this year I'm on sabbatical, as I've shared before. So I'm not really, you know, functioning like that. Um, so if if you have anything where you want to talk about music, collab or anything like that, or Chief Yuya Music, that's where you get me on social media. Anything outside of that, I'm not really doing right now. So people have been contacting me about wanting me to get sessions with me and stuff like that. I'm not doing any of that this year. All right. So um, this is was supposed to be my sabbatical. It's hasn't uh, been as smooth as I wanted it to be as I pictured it. But, you know, still got half the year to try to make up for some of the uh over eventfulness of the beginning of the year. But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there for you. You know, it's not that I'm just ignoring you when you contact me at chief Yuya, but if you look at the bio, like on my Instagram and some of my other things, it, it says I'm on sabbatical this year. If you know, please go over to chief Yuya music. If you have a music related question or comment. All right. So with that, be well, be safe, be loving. Please protect somebody, teach somebody. Peace, everyone.